a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. Remember, if it's green, you'll hear it here. And it's Jubilee Week 2, which means we've whipped out the Zero Carbonista bunting, hung out some flags, and we've got a slice of nice vegan flan to go with it as well. Our man in the throne with the crown of indignance and the scepter of determination is the green <laughs> entrepreneur and environmentalist, Dale Vince. Dale, morning. Yeah, awesome. We want we want green flannel, okay, but not green flannel. We don't want any of that. No green flannel. Absolutely. There's enough of that out there, of course, as we know. So how how are you feeling? You know, we're recording this on the Jubilee Day. In an hour or so, the royal family will be on the balcony. I can almost I can almost see the hairs on the back of your neck standing up with pride, Dale. Yeah, we should be doing it live, shouldn't we? Outside the gates of uh, Buckingham Palace. Well, we should be on the balcony. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's right. Hey, and we weren't in the list, right? It came out today. Yeah. What's going yeah. on? I'm devastated to see that, you know, I thought at least a knighthood would, would be coming your way. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a Tory politician in there. I mean, what do they ever do? Tory politicians. I mean, what do they do? It's kind actually? of funny, isn't it? The, 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 the You know, that kind of gig. Uh, I can see, you know, somebody raises loads of money for charity and works solely in a benevolent fact. You know, I get all of that. It's nice to be recognised and, you know, whether it's a royal thing or just a however you look at it, that's great. But, you know, there are some people who, who get like a gong for existing and I find that troublesome. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I often look at them and just think, well, what have these people actually done for the country in life? Um and I can't come up with an answer. For services to ask clownery. That's usually <laughs> what it is. Um, so let's talk about green gas. Mm, yeah, let's do it. So I think we're only a couple of days since we posted the big green gas episode, aren't we? Because it, it ran late because of a football story. Uh, yes. We couldn't post it last Friday. So I think we posted it on Monday this week. And that was a big thing. And we've had loads of coverage for it. And um, now we're trying to get some traction, you know, some policy traction with it because the well, we talked about it last time, so I'm not going to go into it again, but it's just a massive opportunity for our country. Yep. Uh, and actually, it's, it's, it's viable in other parts of the world as well. So here we go. Let's see if we can land this one. What has to happen? I mean, what, what, what's the, the, the kind of, uh, I don't want to use the word stumbling block, but you know, what, what might be kind of in the way? The government. Oh, those shysters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So, I mean, how, in what form would that objection take then? Well, I think um, it, it's not so much that they're in the way. It's, it's more that the lack of action is in the way and they could actually enable a national green gas program if they got proactive, um, you know, looked at the planning process, looked at putting some support behind green gas and that kind of stuff. And, and crucially, looked realistically at the heat pump program, which is just going to cost so much money and cause so much disruption and be so wasteful of the tens of millions of appliances we throw away. If they just look at that seriously and drop it and then pick up green gas, then we're on our way. 
Yeah, one of the problems with heat pumps, as uh, one conservative actually explained to me, is that it kind of has all the right sound bites to it. And, you know, mm. heat pump sounds digestible. We're addressing green issues, carbon zero and all of that. It, it's, it's, it's very easy for governments to say it and for people to get their head around and you're meant to be left with the impression that this is the best thing ever. And, of yeah. course, it's not the best thing ever. And it's, it's simultaneously not the best in terms of efficiency, but it's also not the best in terms of cost either. In fact, it's an utter waste of money. Now, everything is wrong with it. But the, it's, it's kind of become conventional wisdom, my favorite oxymoron, that we have to electrify the heating of our homes uh, to solve you know, that part of the climate yeah. crisis problem. Uh, we have to give up fossil fuel gas. That part is correct, but we don't have to electrify our homes. So we've got to challenge yeah. this conventional wisdom and say, no, look, there's a far better way. There's no point throwing away tens of millions of boilers and cookers, scrapping the national gas grid, spending eight grand per household, putting in a heat pump that will add 50% to your annual energy bill and give you colder water than your boiler did and cause you to have to upgrade your heating system. There is no point in doing that when we have an alternative, which is to grow some grass, right? Favorite of us hippies and and turn it into green gas. Well, Phil says, uh, Phil sent a message via LinkedIn. He says, can uh, grass really solve the energy crisis? Because again, you know, in fairness, I think a lot of people will kind of trying to get their head around this thinking, hang on, you know, this is like turning carbon into diamonds no i was thinking <laughs> yeah, we, that can be done as well uh, some people will say you know this is kind of like alchemy well look we've done alchemy right we've taken carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and turned it into diamonds True. no problem right turning grass into methane to put it in the gas grid is a doddle compared to that and you know it's it's totally existing in the world today what's what's new is the idea that we've got enough grass in this country to power all of our homes and all of our business and save a shed load of money create a load of jobs and solve the that part of the climate crisis puzzle all at the same time it's an amazing combination and opportunity for us oh and it creates incredible habitats for nature talking of nature uh mm. nature that might not be so welcome ticks did you see this story i mean this is incredible a warning that ticks will be all year round they've become a kind of that the work would have been something and lyme disease uh, can of course the bacterial infection uh, can be one of the issues that derives from this uh, but previously you know ticks would have been around for a short period of time in a year but now due to climate change it's this is an all year round thing yeah everything's changing isn't it you know, stuff's moving north uh, to more temperate zones. Uh, you know, wildlife's on the move, including ticks. And, you know, uh, I guess they're finding favorable conditions because our seasons are merging, aren't they, right? They're, they're yeah. blending. We don't have extreme summers and winters anymore. We just have extreme weather all the time. It comes and it goes, doesn't it? True. But, um, you know, where, where are the cold winters gone? Yeah, where have the cold winters gone? And it's funny because this – talk about strange seasonal changes. The, the, the weekend that has just gone – it was a bit chilly, and I remember it wasn't normal chilly. It wasn't kind of like, oh, sometimes it's a bit cold. It was that kind of um, sort of November chilly, you know, when you yeah. feel it in your nostrils. Yeah. So you wouldn't have put a glove, gloves and scarf on in that sense, but there was a very different sense and a feel to what you should be experiencing as you move into June. Yeah, and then the next day it's like this, right? 20 degrees at half past 10 yeah. in the morning. It's all right. Uh, and you're like, yeah, okay. 
So summer's back <laughs> again. Here's, a, uh, here's one from Naomi. It says, long-time listener to the podcast. Question for Ian. What is the most important lesson you've learned from Dale over the last three years of podcasting together? That's a really good question. Interesting well, actually, question. I think probably yeah. it's about questioning convention. I think we just touched on it, didn't we, with the, uh, you know, the, the, the heaters, the, the heat pumps. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, the idea that alternatives don't exist. Alternatives do exist, but you just you, you don't hear about them with the same fanfare and headlines as you do with you know a government plan cooked up on the back of a cigarette packet yeah by a lobbyist right somebody selling heat yes. pumps yeah 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 well yeah someone's worked out haven't they right okay we can do this but we've also got to appease this group over there or that group over there and you know what about appeasing like oh here's an example the planet for example <laughs> That That's might help. That's right. But I mean, I think it's a fundamental problem of government that uh, certain people get access and everybody else doesn't. And in this case, it's lobbyists for the air source heat pump industry that have got the ear of government, convinced them it's the best thing since sliced bread, you know. And they've sold Boris Johnson a new set of clothes, basically. You know, he's the emperor uh, in this uh, metaphor. And he's naked. Because air source heat pumps, I mean... They're worse than they're worse than rubbish, in my opinion. As a national plan, it's incredible. It's crazy, and uh, I mean, who sold that to him? Yeah, Boris. If you've left me with a thought of Boris Johnson naked, now, that's a very unpleasant thing to do at this time of day. I can't now unsee this. Here's a headline: Big Tobacco having a devastating impact on the environment, according to a WHO report. Yeah, right. I mean, not just killing eight million people a year, as if that was not enough sticking 7,000 toxic chemicals into the environment. I mean, that's just crazy. And cigarette butts are the second biggest source of plastic pollution worldwide. I mean, wow. come on, we know that plastic pollution is a problem, but I didn't know it was from cigarette butts, uh, you know, second biggest cause. Incredible. It makes sense, doesn't it, if you think about it? You know, they're discarded literally all over the place. There's no way you can go. It's like chewing gum on the paper. It's just yeah. this stuff is everywhere. It's true. I, I guess I never really thought that they were plastic. I never really thought about it, you know. Uh, maybe like the people that discard them, I thought they would, like, you know, break down, magically Correct. disappear. Yeah, they yeah. they don't. Yeah, they certainly don't. Question in from Wharfdale Woodcarvings on Facebook. Dale, mm. just wanted to mention, we're struggling to get some of your Devil's Kitchen products on Ocado. Always sold out locally. Nah. Yeah, this has happened a couple of times and we'll give them a prod because they, they're holding enough nationally. You know, we haven't got a, a shortage of them, uh, but I think it's a question for Ricardo as to where they keep them. Uh, and if they don't keep them in your region, then they'll show them as sold out. But I don't know if there's any way on the Ocado website to prod them about that, uh, but we'll give them a prod R and yeah, you need a prod feature, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you do. Quite you need a prod like button. A prod button. Yes. Like, Come on, guys. You know, where Add are to basket. Marker's favorite or just prod. <laughs> that's, that's the missing thing on the interface of these websites. I like this story. Leading scientists say we must cut emissions, not adapt our way out of the climate crisis. I was talking to somebody about this recently, that there is that sense of, okay, so we change our behavior and we just learn to kind of morph into a new normal. But that's not really enough because that kind of, well, either lets people off the hook or doesn't really address the fundamental problem, which is physically actually cutting emissions. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is like, um, it's a little bit like the the big thing that the oil and gas companies are doing. A lot of Tory politicians are doing it as well, which is just talk about the transition, like it's some magical path we can walk down and everything is solved. You know, uh, and for them, it's a way of kicking this issue into the long grass. 
uh, when in fact we have to stop emissions and we have to do it very soon. So I'm completely agreeing with the, with this uh, scientist that said, I mean, I think I thought it was obvious we have to stop emissions. We can't just uh, change our lives a little bit. We've got to, we've got to stop. And then when we've done that, we've got to find a way to get the excess carbon out of the atmosphere and bring it down to more normal levels. It's a two step thing as far as I'm concerned. But step one is a massive ask. Um, well, I mean, you, we, let's go back to where we started about, you know, grass as a, an obvious example. That would mm. be huge. Yeah, it would make a massive difference, right? Uh, at the moment, the grass gas that we're proposing looks like it's 90% uh, has 90% less greenhouse gas emissions than North Sea gas and the fertilizer industry, which is made from gas. Wow. Um, and, but the, the guys at Imperial College are saying we can get to 99% with a little bit of tweaking massive. of the process and stuff, which is almost complete, right? It's almost carbon-free compared to that because not a lot of people realize that uh, fertilizer is made from gas, fossil gas, yep. as, you know, it's one of the big causes of pollution. And of course, one of the great things about green gas mills is the byproduct is natural fertilizer, sure. which, is, which is fantastic. But yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm is, off, it, you know. is, anyone, <laughs> is anyone else around the world done the grass thing? Yeah, grass has been used uh, to a degree in Germany. Uh, that I know. But I don't know of any. Nobody's done a national program for it. Nobody's yeah. really gone at it and said, "Right, let's switch all our houses to a different kind of gas and yeah, business." Yeah. Actually, in our case, and yeah. is there? I mean, detractors might say, and I know you and I are going to probably do a debate on the radio at some point uh, on this on this very issue. Because detractors would obviously say, well, you know, if it was that easy, somebody would be doing it. That's usually the answer that comes out. That's my favourite. Uh, yeah. Apart, apart from it's a very lazy anti-intellectual response, but that oh, is the one. I love it. It's so illogical, right? If it was that easy, somebody would have already done it. Uh, excuse me, somebody has to do everything first, right? Correct. Surely, yes. surely, that's logical. Yeah, yeah. That that's the way it tends to work, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it does tend to work that way. But when the bloke invented the wheel, nobody yeah. went. Well, it's a stupid idea because you know if it yeah. was that good, somebody else would have already done it. No, mate, I'm the. F I'm doing it first. I'm literally the first. That's why I'm doing it because no one has done it. <laughs> Yep, bang on. <laughs> it's a nice thought. Um, do, you know, do you know what, Ian? Sometimes I also think that these renewable energy solutions are too simple, too clean, too easy. You know, they aren't complicated like a nuclear power station. They don't come with a huge price tag and all yeah. kinds of complications. And it's like people go, oh, but that can't be that easy. Yes, it can. Well, it's going to be interesting how this pans out and, and whether the green lights are there as, as you move through this process. We certainly hope so. A um, couple of points to finish on, Dale. New head coach for Forest Green Rovers. You teased this last week. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, this is what knocked our Green Gas story uh, and, and podcast episode, actually, out of last Friday. We'd waited patiently for Notts County to finish their season and then approached them for permission to speak to the head coach or manager. I'm not sure what his role was there. Uh, they gave it. We had a chat um, and we agreed terms and he signed, but he was going on holiday uh, Saturday. So we had to announce on Friday. And yeah, so we we uh, rustled up a quick press conference on Friday at Forest Green Rovers and introduced him to the world. And we're, you know, very happy, actually. He's yeah. exactly the kind of guy that we're looking for. Uh, his name's Ian Birchnell. I was going to uh, say, are you going to actually tell us about this? That? It was just like the biggest yeah. tease ever. <laughs> I was I was trying to remember while I was talking. <laughs> and uh, and um, he's he's coming across with his assistant as well. And, um, you know, I mean, they just seem like fantastic people. They're going to fit uh, with us at the club and, and what we want to do. I mean, it's going to be a great, uh, great team. So, you know, you could say this is the silver lining that came out of the cloud from a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, yeah. happy days. Uh, and what a great sign to be joining a club as well. I mean, you know, when promotion, the, the, the 
you know, the phrase spring in your step is kind of there, right? So you, mm. you, you, your starting point in terms of uh, an invigorated team and uh, optimism and all that goes with it, and mm. that's key, of course, you know, to, to, to success of uh, football clubs is, is all there. So for those guys mm. to come in at this point is particularly prevalent. Yeah, true. It's a great time to be joining a club. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've been for a long time now a club on the up. You know, with a lot of positivity yeah, yeah. and stuff. But uh, this is a big one, actually. Finding ourselves in League One—that's a big one. That's oh, a beauty, isn't it? A beauty. Uh, final one from Dominic Howe Architecture on Instagram. Dale and Ian, I know this isn't commercial radio, but can you give us a shout out? Uh, we listen in the office every Friday. There you go, Dominic Howe Architecture. Check it out. They should be like designing stuff for us, like a shed. Yeah, well, I was going to say as long as it's made out of wood, and then you went and said shed. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect. No one wants a metal shed. That just no. becomes too hot. Uh, brilliant. Dale, have a cracking weekend. I know you're going to be putting your Union Jack suit on as you parade the streets, waving your flag of regal joy. I'm going to get my sound system out and blast out God Save the Queen, I reckon, but it'll be the Sex Pistols version. It'll be the Pistols version. How did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> Speak next week, Dale. Yeah, cheers, Ian. That is it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there as well. And really important bit that you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero carbon. East off.